Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, I said like you, like it or not. That's when it got wheels off. Chris Shiflett is a guitar player and a songwriter and a badass. He just entered the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. He puts out solo records that are great. Most recently, 2019's album Hard Lessons. He joins Wheels Off from his home in Los Angeles, although I'm just spoiling the first question. <laughs> um, he's a friend of mine. Um, over the years, we've done gigs together. That comes up during the interview as well. He's very real. Like, you're going to always get the real Chris Shiflet. You're not going to get what you might think you would get from like a rock and roll hall of famer you know he's a he's very much as we say in the backstages of the clubs across america he's very much one of us but i'm really grateful that chris joined me he was up late last night doing a foo fighters gig and he's headed out again tomorrow to do another one. Oh, he plays guitar in the foo fighters did i mention that anyway it's pretty fun he's a sweet dude he's a dad he's a goofball we may go down a couple of diversion-type paths that we won't lose you. We won't go for too long. You'll be fine. Hang in there. There's a lot of good stuff. At the end, he has his own podcast, Walking the Floor. And at the end, if you listen to that, you won't be surprised that he turns the tables and starts asking me a few questions as well, which is fine. I hope you don't mind that either. It's pretty fun. I definitely had a blast. And I think you will enjoy listening to... Chris Shiflet on Wheels Off. Welcome to Wheels Off, Chris Shiflet. It's so great to see you, my friend. How are you? Oh, it's good, man. It's great to see you too. I'm a little tired today because we played out of town last night and then flew home after the gig. And, oh. um, you know, I'm on like permanent dad schedule, so I couldn't really sleep in. Um, but uh, so I'm a little crispy, but I'm hanging in there and I'm so excited to see you. It's like yeah. I'm looking at you right now. It's like your Instagram feed. It's like, but <laughs> like, you know, but for real. <laughs> yeah. I've spent is, what is that? Is that is that like your music room or something? Was that your home studio? Yeah. You know, we moved into this house uh, 18 years ago and I carved a corner out of this garage. I said, I'm going to build an office. And we basically had my weed dealer build a, a garage, office garage <laughs> this was in the before times you'll understand yeah. Yeah. and um and so yeah just he put a couple of walls and i got a window and and i painted it red and then i hung a bunch of guitars up a few years ago and my kids have made so much fun of me they're like oh my god dad you're like flexing so hard on everybody with your dumb guitars <laughs> and then i started doing, i love it i started doing gigs down here four times a week and i'm like yeah who's dumb now kids and they're like Still that's young. right Still That's here. right. I, li I like that you have the Paul McCartney bass in there, too. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, and no. is that is that your actual that's like your uh, acoustic there right behind your head, isn't it? That you play 
Not that one. The other one, the uh, the big, the J200. Oh, so no, this is like a weird 1961 J200 that I found that it was from this one year when Gibson sold to some French company and they would- they Oh, weird. Put, they put a metal rod in where there normally would be a block of wood right up above the sound hole holding the neck in place. And it's snapped. Like they all snapped the necks on that uh. year. And so I found it 20 years later, I finally got them somebody to put a block in and replace it. And it's- it's pretty amazing. It's like this Frankenstein guitar. Is is that not the one that you played in Boston when I opened for you? No, I've got a, a J200 that's like a new one that's uh, okay. bang okay. around, put it on an airplane kind of guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so wait, for the edification of our listeners, you're joining us from your home in California? I'm at my, yeah, I'm in, I'm in LA. I'm at my studio, which is not painted nice uh, like yours and is pretty janky, but uh, uh, it, it gets the job done. Maybe you should work a little harder. I know I should. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to redecorate as soon as we're done. Um, oh, man. So, look, I know that the answer to this has to be that you're flying around and doing big rock shows. But uh, also, I know you well enough to know that you're never content with just doing one thing. So I wonder what creative project are you working on at the moment and how does it light you up? Well, you know, during um, during COVID, I mean, it's you know, it's been such a weird year this year. Um, Obviously, the COVID year was was weird, too. But then getting back to touring, it's sort of like we're touring and we're working all, all the time. But it's not like being in a, in a normal tour cycle where you're where you're gone for a few weeks or whatever. And then you come home. It's like we go just kind of like we're doing right now. Like we go off and we do a show and we come home and then you're home for a day or two and you go off and do another show and then you go out and do two shows and then you do like a weird awards show or, you know what I mean? Like, then you do some TV thing. So it's a lot of like running around, but it's, but you're sort of like, like never really gone for real. You know what I mean? Like, it, like, which is, it's cool. It's just different. You know, it's a very different thing. So last year, when we were grounded and home for all that time, I just wrote a ton of songs. You know, I really was writing a lot and um, and started working on. I had this idea that then I didn't really do that. But the idea was uh, not to make an album, but to go just record a couple songs with different producers, you know, record two songs with this guy and record two songs with that gal. And then you just put them out and, you know, put out single tracks and and do that. So I kind of started doing that, but then I recorded a couple songs with uh, Jaron from Cadillac three producing, who you probably know down there in Nashville. Um, and, uh, and, and they came out really good. And I was just like, how oh, we should make a whole, a whole record. So then we, <laughs> so, but we've been doing it in bits and bits and pieces, you know, like, cause I'll fly out to Nashville for like two days and record a, you know, two songs or three songs and just get as much done as we can. And then, and then take that home and then, I'll add stuff to it and he adds stuff to it. And then we, you know, so we got like about, we got the better part of like 10 songs recorded right now, but like, I still have to get out there at some point and sing, sing on a few of them. And, you know, there's like the odd guitar solo that still needs to be done. Then we got to mix it all, you know? So it's like, it's kind of, it's just, it's an interesting way. I've never made a record like this, you know? Um, you know, I'm used to doing it more the sort of traditional way where you just go and you just record your whole record for three weeks or whatever it is. So um, so it's been a trip, but I'm really happy with with how it's coming out. And I don't know how I'm going to put it out. Even I like I, I don't know if I want to put out a whole record. You know, I, I have you messed around with that because it's such a modern thing to just put out single tracks. But I've never really done that. And and it feels like it felt like when I put out my last record, I just felt like 
I don't know if people can process a whole record anymore. Like it seemed like when we were putting out single tracks leading up to it was got a little more hoo-ha. And then, then we, we put the whole record out and it was just sort of like, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't understand what exactly came of it, but there was the, the whole thing about Adele forcing Spotify to take off the, the um, shuffle button. Right. So when people, uh, people listen to your album, they have to experience it as an album. I, I don't know if that's stuck, if that's for everyone or just for Adele. I don't know. Um, I mean, I believe in the concept of an album, uh, probably like you, like we grew up experiencing a 12, 13 song, 45 minute thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably why both you and I, because I've done the same thing. I'll go, oh, guys, we just need to live in the future where we put out two songs, put out a thing. I mean, yeah. Right now, the old 97s have recorded a we're getting mixes back right now, um, an EP of Johnny Cash songs, which we haven't. Oh, cool. Yet, so I'm breaking news here, but nice um, scoop. Yeah, but it's uh, but it's, you know, four, four or five songs or whatever. But that's kind of a step towards that. But that does seem like it seems like you're right. People don't have the attention span. But yet the whole point of a record anymore is just to have a thing to go tour behind. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's that's a really interesting thing, because it's sort of like finding that balance. It's like, you know, you never go in to make one with that in mind. That's sort of the reality of the business. But it's not how you approach it as a as a musician, really. You know what I mean? But it is interesting because like I am making this record, if you want to call it that, like almost kind of like it reflects the way people not intentionally, but like, you know, I go out and record two songs and then go out and record three. songs. so it's not like it was all done, you know, in the same week or whatever, but it but it is all done with with the same people. So I guess it's like, you know, it's got a thing that is cohesive, you know. Um, so yeah, I don't know what it's going to be. I mean, I imagine it will be a full length at some point, but I kind of want to just experiment and see what that's like to, to just put out like a new song every six weeks for a year or something, you know? God, I remember 25 years ago, there's a band from Leeds that I really loved called the wedding present yeah. and, and the wedding present, um, I think it was their alter ego band, the Ukrainians, which was, they did <laughs> covers in Ukrainian of like Smith songs. It was, it was insane. Like the whole thing was, it made no sense, but that sounds like a lot of work It was like for what? And, um, and, uh, God, here I am shitting on like their whole artistic output of like (laughs) mid nineties, but, but they would put out a single every month. And then at the end of the year, they would put out, no, that's what the wedding present did it. They would put out a single every month of covers. And at the end of the year, there was an album of the wedding present greatest hits. It was all these covers. But maybe that's a model. But that sounds like it's built for a Patreon kind of deal. Yeah. Like every, I don't know. Dude, the, yeah. all of it. It gives me tired head. I just want to make a record every year and then have everyone tell me how great I am. A hundred percent. That's why we got into this game, baby. <laughs> no, I know. Well, it's, it, it's an interesting thing, though, because like, you know, you you have like I'm I'm a t- kind of a Luddite, you know, with with a lot of this stuff. I'm, I don't. I'd claim to be an expert on, you know, like digital marketing and all that sort of thing. But I, but I do, I have these conversations with some of the folks that, that work um, for Foo Fighters management. They're really, really good with that. And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just kind of have to figure it out. Like you have to, I, the game is like, how do you trick the algorithm into liking you and putting you on good playlists? <laughs> you know, And I, I haven't cracked that code yet, but I kind of, that's why I want to do it different, you know? Yeah, it used to be tricking like uh, Robert Hilburn or whatever into right. That. Yeah, 
Yeah. The algorithm is is Robert Hilburn. Now, you know, <laughs> what if we found out it really was just Robert, like in a room? <laughs> That'd be great. Then you could just bug him. I know he likes us. Um, I'm con- I'm convinced <laughs> that it is that it isn't that that that's basically what it is. Like, it's it's funny. You know, I don't want to get myself banned from Spotify or anything, but like if it really is just that, then that's the only area of the music industry where like graft and relationships aren't at play like are we really supposed to believe that there's no bag of cocaine in a record sleeve or whatever the modern equivalent of that is like really i don't know digital cocaine but something exactly yeah which is better (laughs) uh so when you started out like because it's got to be a weird year for you also you didn't mention the the hall of fame because yeah like it's gauche to maybe to bring it up but it's not it's incredible and i wonder you know in the midst of all the insanity uh that's at least a good insanity so i wonder if for you growing up um a if you could have ever envisioned any sort of weird path like you've been on or b if you remember a moment uh of epiphany do you remember thinking like okay well this is it i'm going to do music and nothing else for the rest of my life i actually i i do there was i it's and i look back you know being a dad now um i realize how how kind of lucky me and my friends were to and probably guys like you um knew what we wanted to do from a pretty young age. Like it was really clear. And I remember specifically the moment that it went from like, I love music to like, I'm going to play music. And it was like, there was this, uh, one of my best friends in junior high moved down to LA like halfway through the year. And that summer I came down to LA. I grew up in Santa Barbara. So a little bit North of LA and I came down to LA and I'd already been going down to LA to go see gigs and stuff for a couple of years at that point And was like into rock music and in the whole thing, you know, um, and was playing guitar a little bit. And, uh, but that week that I came down to visit him, we walked, I just remember like walking all over Melrose and going into all the like record stores and cl- cool clothing stores and just weirdo stores, seeing all these flyers and bam magazine and all that stuff that was around, you know, cause there was such a thriving rock and roll scene in LA at that point. And, um, and that was the moment for me. I just went, I'm going to fucking do this. Like, this is it, you know? And we even like had this, like, um, I think it was more him and his brother's idea than, than mine, but I was all in. They're like, okay, we've got this band. It's going to be called Circus. And when you graduate high school, you're going to move to LA. And we, I remember he like drew out like the stage set and everything. It was like, you know, it was like, like our version of Kiss or Wasp or whatever, you know? And, and they even, they like, it's funny because they go, okay, when you go back to Santa Barbara, you got to go take guitar lessons from this guy specifically. And he's and I did. And the, the local guitar teacher, dude, uh, Steve Miles, that like taught me how to play guitar solos. And like, that was like it, man. I was like, I learned like a couple Ace Fraley licks and I was just like, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm going. <laughs> God, that's so funny. It reminds me, I just watched the um, King Richard about the, the, the Williams sisters learning to play tennis. Their dad. Oh yeah. And it's uh, and their dad had this whole thing where he wrote out a plan, like this really long plan and and uh, detailed and they followed it pretty much. And like I remember for me, like you, like I would I would keep these notebooks with like lists of who to call. It would be like call um, like the guy at whatever record label, you know, and I had called Nan Warshaw at Bloodshot. I remember was on my list. And I remember <laughs> years later, they put out the Kurt Cobain notebooks and he had in one of the early notebooks called Nan Warshaw. No <laughs> way. Like, 
oh my god everybody should just write that in th- i wouldn't do it anymore yeah but, um <laughs> it's that's in it's in my notepad right here somewhere <laughs> i'm gonna call her later <laughs> um yeah but i i wonder about that just that whole the visualizing and did you get rid of all the safety nets like was that part of it for you did you like commit to living in squalor and being broke totally and it's funny i'll, I'll tell you a funny story about that. So my oldest son, I think we were texting about this the other day. My, my oldest son's in the middle of applying for colleges. Right. And so you have, you know, you, there's that thing with like every school that gives you like uh, prompts that you have to write these short little essays uh, about. And one of them was like, uh, if you could go back in time, you know, what, when would it be and why, or so, something like that. And, and my son had this like I just was like really touched me as a dad like he's his story was if I could go back in time I'd go back to when my dad was my age and and you know talk to him about why he dropped out of high school you know and didn't go to college and and you know did what he did and he wrote this whole thing out um and and he kind of like we talked a bunch about it and then he wrote this whole thing and it, and it was and it was really beautiful and cute but it was it was really funny to sit there with me and my 18 year old son who's led a very different life than, than I did. And his college counselor, who also is probably closer to my age, but also led a very different life than I did. And sort of try to explain to them how it wasn't this sort of like linear decision of like, hmm, should I go to Harvard and go become a professional? Or should I drop out of high school and be a good, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's not how it was. Like, I don't, it, I can't even... I'm not, like, I really don't even remember exactly what led to what led to what, but it's just like, that's just, by the time I was like about to be a senior, I was never going to graduate high school. Like, you know what I mean? And I just didn't think about anything but music, you know, it was just, and, and, but in a weird way, like I wasn't like super studious and like really organized and like, you know, I, Oh, I got to sit and practice my guitar. I was just fucking around. I was just a teenager, but all I cared about was music. And that was it. And I wasn't a songwriter, really. You know, I hadn't really started writing songs or anything. And I was just a guitar player. And I just, I just, it was just, you know, you said like, you know, did you ever imagine you'd be like, you know, on that path to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No, never. Like, it wasn't even about that. It was like, I just wanted to be like on a stage with a loud guitar and the glory of it all. I never thought about any of the particulars, you know what I mean? I don't even know what I was like running at. I just wanted it so fucking bad. I just loved it. I loved the whole thing. I remember being like in, when I was like 16 or something, I saw that movie performance with Mick Jagger. I was just like, I want that. I want to be that guy. That's exactly what I want to live in a weird fucking house with Persian rugs and drink champagne all day with beautiful women in a bath. (laughs) It's a pretty lucky thing, though, right, to know what to, for us to know what we wanted at that age, because we both now have these sons that don't necessarily know a lot of kids, most kids now. Don't. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, you like to 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 have that like um, I don't even know if I'd call it a goal, or, but just that like sense of who you are and who you want to be. I don't know. It was like it, but it wasn't just me. It was like there was a lot of my friends, you know, a lot of people I was around, a lot of people I grew up with. It just seemed like. We're just kind of on that path, you know? 
God, I, I wonder, and maybe this is going to get too philosophical, but I saw some stat about the increase in uh, cases of dementia uh, in our society and moving forward, there'll be one in three people as they get older will get dementia. And and it just sent me down this dark kind of um, uh, Philip K. Dick kind of sci-fi path. Like, are we making our brains broken by looking at phones, taking in too much information, splintering, yes. splintering, splintering, splintering? Yeah. I, and, and I yeah. wonder if maybe back then we were able to just sit and just obsess on a thing. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's like, it's, it's hard. Like I look back at my childhood, I don't know what yours was like, but like, man, I just wasted a lot of time, but in, in a great way, like, you know, like in a way, like I look at how we organize our kids' lives and they don't have time to do. I don't know how people like, have their kids in club soccer and a theater group and they're playing in the band or at the school band. Like, like kids' lives are so overloaded. And that's before you even get into all the tech stuff you're talking about, which mm -hmm. is obviously a huge negative impact. I mean, there's no way around that reality. I know we all like to pretend that tech is always great or whatever, but I mean, no question that it's like just the great opioid of these times, you know, um, especially for our kids. But like, I never, I don't, I just, my childhood was not like that. We just had, you got out of school and you just wandered around your neighborhood looking for shit to do, you know? Um, it was great. So you've been pretty open about um, like your path to sobriety and the demons you wrestled with earlier in your life. And, and, and you, you come across as, and I think it's pretty legit. Like you're, you're pretty relaxed. You're, you seem like, and I think you truly are a pretty relaxed guy. Like you're not, just riddled with the kind of demons that maybe at different points in your life you might have been, or like some people are. But I do know that you have had to deal with like internally generated obstacles, things, your voices in your head that tell you sure. whatever that you shouldn't do, that you're not good enough. That I wonder about what you've figured out to deal with those, how you figured out to get through that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really interesting thing, you know. Um I, you know, I was just, I always say I was a pretty run of the mill alcoholic for a long time, you know, and, and, and I think it was just in me, you know, I think it's in my family. I kind of always drank that way and, and, um, and all the stuff that sort of comes with it. And I think the challenging thing when you get sober is, is like, you come to the real, you have like, there's like a euphoric period where you're like, oh, I feel so great. You know, everything's great. And then after a couple of months that goes when you're like, oh, everything that I thought was I did because I was fucked up or whatever. I'm just a shitty fucked up guy. <laughs> now no, I just have to deal with that. You know what I mean? Like um, and all those those insecurities. It It's music is so much of it's in your head as far as like the performance side and writing and 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 all that stuff. I mean, that. I don't know. I think for me, the way that I deal with it is just to do it. You know, I know that's like doesn't really offer any meaningful insight in anything. But honestly, like I have just tried to sort of like embrace making lots of mistakes and not being very good at certain things and, and just still putting it out there. And, you know, you just you get more comfortable. You get more comfortable with who you are and you stop trying to be, you know, you know, it is you can't like compare yourself. Like I can't sit. Oh, my song's not as good as you know Bob Dylan or Jason Isbell or fucking Rhett Miller. Or what you know what I mean? Like, like it's it, you can't sit there and do that shit because then you'll never get anything done. 
God, I don't. I think every single day I, I reference the quote, and I don't know who, to whom it should be attributed, but a comparison is the death of joy. Um, mm. But I, 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 I totally believe that. Boy, I think what you just said actually might be the most useful um, advice of all. You know, like just, just go out there and do it because, I'm, I guess, um, if I read you right, I think what you're saying is everybody's scared. Everybody is afraid that they're going to screw up or whatever. Just, you just have to do it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And you know, it's, it's funny because the longer you're in this business, you see other people and I'm not going to name names or anything, but like, you know, we've, we've had, yeah, I've, I've just from seeing people live over the years and also like, you know, playing shows with other people, you see other people's sort of insecurities on display from time to time in sort of candid moments. And it's, it's, it's reassuring. Like you're kind of like, Oh shit, they struggle with that too. That, and I don't know if you've watched any of that Beatles documentary thing that just came out, but I watched, I watched a little bit of the first episode and that was my takeaway from that. Like, God, that is so great. The Beatles struggled to write songs too. (laughs) They sat there and played shitty versions of their songs for a while until (laughs) they got to the good ones. You know what I mean? Like, that's so great. I mean, that's like, everybody should watch it just for that. It's, it's funny when you just described like, you know, just doing it and walking out on stage, I imagine because you're doing a thing on a higher level than most of the people in the world. There were most people that I get to talk to just when you, for instance, I, I was there at Fenway when I, I saw you walk out on stage. I got to be there and, and watch you walk out and look from the side of the stage out at that crowd. That's a lot of people. And and like I know from having done it, there's a certain um, narrative that you have to build in your mind to let you walk out there and, and not, I mean, for me, like every single night, I have to negotiate with myself about why am I doing this? Why are they here? Am I, do I deserve this? I just, I wonder, like, is that something that over the years, it just, it's second nature? Do, will you always have something in your brain that's like, this is insane? Well, okay. So there's a couple things there. So as far, and this really gets back to what you were saying a second ago for me, because I came up playing guitar. So playing loud, gained up Les Paul through a Marshall guitar in a rock band with a bunch of people on stage. I can, that's the most comfortable I am in life period, you know, on that stage doing that. I don't, and and I don't, I don't mean this to sound like arrogant or whatever, but like, I, it, like it's a very comfortable, warm feeling for me to do, to do that. Right. But the thing that, that I've had to overcome as far as insecurity and fear and getting over the stage fright and everything is when I go out and do it where I'm the front guy in my solo thing. And more specifically, if I'm, it's just me and an acoustic guitar. I mean, I don't know if, if I ever talked to you about this, but that show that we did in Boston was a fucking massive, massive turning point for me as a, like a solo artiste or whatever, Um, because I had, oh, in a huge way. And you played a big part in it because I always wanted to be comfortable in that dynamic to go out and just like, here's this song I wrote. It's just me and an acoustic guitar, bash it out. And here you go. And I never was at all. And so when you asked me if I would, would open that show. I booked a couple other shows before because I was like, I haven't done this in a couple of years and I was never any good at it or comfortable at it anyway. So I went and did a couple of shows and then hanging out with you that night, me, you and Rami backstage. I remember we were having a conversation with about about it and I was so fucking nervous. 
And you gave me such a great pep talk. You just, you were, I don't remember exactly what you said, but you're like, <laughs> oh, just go out there, man. You, they're going to love you. And I was saying, and I went out and, and we had a really fun set. And then I stayed and I watched you play. And this was the epiphany moment for me. I was watching you play and I was like, oh my God, Rhett is like, he's like really enjoying, he's like a hundred percent in the moment and comfortable and enjoying himself. I was like, it, it just all of a sudden it made sense to me. Like it's it's not a fucking struggle, you know, like it's it, you just have to like you almost like have to give yourself over to it. And it changed me forever, like where I could sincerely go out and do those kind of gigs and have a good time and not be like overwhelmed by it. And like, you know, when you're on stage, you forget like people are there. They want to have a good time. They're not rooting against you unless you're like you know a folk act opening up for slayer or something i mean obviously there's those kind of things that <laughs> where it doesn't work but in you know nine times out of ten you get up in front of any crowd and they don't want you to ruin their good time they're going to give you a lot of leeway you can make a lot of mistakes and they're going to roll with it you know as long as you're rolling with it and that's the thing you have that's the little sweet spot i like because i'll get up there and i'll forget the lyrics to my own songs and i'll just stop and laugh and you know in the past i'd be like Oh God. And then you're bumming out the whole room. <laughs> but if you just stop and make a joke about it, they, then they laugh with you and it's all good, you know, and you're all in it kind of together, you know? God, that makes me so happy. I love that. But you're right. There's, it's a, it's a lot to be the only person out on that, on that stage. And, and that's usually to me where like the negotiation comes in. Even just the other night I had a gig and I walked out and felt weird. I was like, there's spinach in my teeth. I couldn't get that out of my fucking head for like <laughs> for four songs. Like anybody could even see it. <laughs> but then I you ever like, feel like in those moments, like your face starts twitching and doing <laughs> stuff that you can't control, like your eyes are doing. You're like, why? What is happening? I'm losing control of my just stop. But yeah. yeah, but it's what you're saying. I've got to remember, like these people are rooting. These people are like parents at a at a recital for their kids. They they totally. want to totally. have fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that makes me so happy. I really, I think that, and you can even apply that to the big shows too. Like, I mean, you would really have to blow it to bum your crowd out. You know what I mean? And you would have to like everything screech to a halt and the band gets in a fist fight or something they're like to ruin, <laughs> to ruin the crowd's good time. Like they're just, people just want, they're like carrying you on their shoulders, you know? Yeah. And I mean, they have so much invested in being there. Yeah. That's, yeah. well, that's, that's great. So, okay. We, we've kind of talked already about the fact that um, we both have these 18 year olds. So this question becomes um, kind of like a practical question in a way, but I wonder, like you've shared a lot of great knowledge with us and wisdom over the last half hour or so. I'm wondering if you might try to distill it. Imagine that you run into an 18 year old or sorry, 21 year old. Let's just give you a little more um, uh, legality uh, version of yourself, Chris Shiflett at 21, but working in living in today's world. Uh, what advice do you think you might give yourself, if any? Well, the most important thing, I mean, it's interesting when I meet young musicians like that are coming up that are, you know, kind of in the same mindset that I would have been at that age where they just want it. There's hungry or wide. Eyed. Well, it's, you know, just trying to out there trying to get it there's such a massive infrastructure now of music education and like even like you know people are so savvy about the way the business works and all that stuff and i think that's all well and good but 
I, I would advise people don't focus so much on all that. Don't you don't. I mean, I guess maybe yeah, we, the musician, it is on them to be content creators and all that stuff and find a goofy little angle on TikTok. For, and that's all fine. But remember what the point is. That would be my advice to people. Remember, you're doing it for the love and for the way it feels when you, you know, put those chords together and it does that thing emotionally to your brain, like, you know, and, and the way it feels to be on stage and all that stuff. Because I feel like there's a funny thing. People always lament how there's like, no, what, what happened to rock and roll? Where'd the rock and roll go? You know, and all, all that stuff. I think it's been like music educated out of the world because our generation treated rock and roll like little league for their kids. And instead of like the way that we came up where we were in garages with our friends and our parents hated it and told us to shut the fuck up, you know? <laughs> and so that there's no more, like, like, I don't think that tension exists anymore. And everybody's a little, I mean, it sounds, I'm getting into like angry grandpa territory, but I feel like everyone's a little too much of an expert about every goddamn thing instead of just, you know, you can see these kids that can get up and play a Beatles song perfectly but I don't know if that's good for the longevity of the genre. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm kind of speaking specifically about rock and roll and like the rock based stuff or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think people got to remember that they do it for the love and, and the passion and, and not always be so, you know. Do, 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 do. Yeah, it's, I, I met a kid the other night, um, a boyfriend of a cousins whatever you know the family extended family and he showed up and he was 19 and he was grilling me because he played guitar and he's like so and so he asked all these questions who do you know was like on and on he go do you know ozzy do you know vince neal because he was <laughs> and then, <laughs> like, yeah whatever of course you, mean you don't know ozzy bro <laughs> i thought you were in the biz <laughs> and uh and then and then it and then the questions were um what about groupies? Are there still groupies? I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know what that word is. What are you doing? Yeah. Oh, and, good Lord. And then finally, and then finally he goes, how do you write a song? And I was like, okay, well, A, there's no way I can answer that. What well, is standing around a you know kitchen in a, on Thanksgiving? But B, that's the right question. And the answer right. is you right. just do it and do it and do it and do it and do it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's totally true. Like, um, it, it's, yeah, I don't know. Expertise is 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 uh, is kills the the you know the just sort of the spontaneous beast of rock and roll. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's what I that's what I was thinking. He was saying he was going to go into some special college program for it, and I'm like, what do you mean? What about the school of hard knocks? I mean, that's where all my friends went. Like, we just got jobs at restaurants. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it's 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 interesting because I get that thing like, do you know, Ozzy? You know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I wasn't enamored with celebrity and, and rock stars and everything. I mean, when I was a kid, I listened to Ozzy and Motley Crue and all. And I wanted to I'd looked at what how they seemed to live and thought that was fucking great and cool. And I was the one of those kids that would stand out by the back door of the venue and wait until they try to get them to sign. You know, I I get that. And I think that that's. I mean, we, that's a, a tired conversation of like, oh, your social media turning everybody into an asshole. Like, but, you know, it's it's it, it it's true. You know, there is like so much emphasis put on that and maybe not enough on what you said. Like, that's the right question. How do you write a song here? Grab an acoustic guitar. Let's talk yeah. about that. You know, 
So I wonder about that, that that idea of when the onus got put on us or musicians or artists in general, creative people in general, when the onus got put on us to become marketers, content creators, and and make our TikTok channels and whatever, do you think that that is costing us? Do you think that that is taking away from the work we're really supposed to be doing? Is it hurting us? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Because on one hand, you know, I mean, I never bought into the idea that the internet was some like, you know, gateway for now, nobody can stand in your way. It's like, nah, it's actually the opposite. Now we're all fighting for this little bit of space on Spotify. It's not, it's actually a lot harder, I think, because of, I mean, technology evolves and what are you going to do? And the old version of the record industry is dead and gone and never coming back. And I get that. But as somebody that came up in that time period, I can tell you unequivocally that it was, I wouldn't, it wasn't easy, but there was a pathway that was attainable and there was a way you could, you know, and that is gone now. You know what I mean? It's a different path now. Um, and like, I, I get like some people are really, really good at, at being content creator. I mean, I'm in a band with one of them. Dave's fucking amazing at it. You know what I mean? On that sort of macro level. Um, but, but, you know, that's not, not everybody like would i don't know like think of some of your favorite artists of all time would they have made it or survived in this era like would would leonard cohen be on tiktok or whatever like hawking his shit like i don't know you know what i mean it's and it's so yeah there, i guess there's there maybe there's a freedom in that for the people that excel at it but i don't know that that's like yeah i don't, I don't know i think it's god it's, i wish I wish I did. Like Isbell is so good. He makes it look so easy. He's so funny and witty and yeah. stuff. But I don't know. I just, it's exhausting. Oh, listen. <laughs> I, Absolutely. I, it's, it's always changing. And if you're the older you get, the harder it is to keep up with it, brother. <laughs> my kids are, my kids are begging me like, please don't go on TikTok. And I'm like, well, the, the, the publishing <laughs> no, you, company told me. <laughs> you know, my, my 13 year old was like, dad, let me like, like let me take over your tiktok because i have I, I i made a tiktok account but i've never posted anything i was like well it's another thing i gotta gotta figure out um but i've been afraid to to jump in there because my kids at first were like do not be on oh my god please don't do it and then my 13 year olds let me do it but really he was like i'm gonna post shit that's gonna embarrass you it was i think the underlying intent there so we we haven't quite done that but yeah it's uh i you know i'm, I'm curious I, I i've been wanting to ask you like there are certain people like you and i think of you and i think of hayes carl like through the lockdown um like really put and jesse mallon in, in new york i don't know if you know jesse um like there's a few people that I know that really put a lot of time into like live streaming and, and doing that whole thing throughout this weird phase of not being able to be on the road. Like how has that, how, like, what am I trying to say? How, like, how, have you figured that out to a point? Cause I tried to do a few of those and I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> I just gave up, but like, have you broken through some thing where like, that's a comfortable space? For you, do you do you get what you because, you know, the performing is like about the audience, you know what I mean? Like, do you get enough? Is there like enough interaction to make that like kind of have like some work well for you, you know, like artistically or whatever? 
Man, there, I mean, there's almost no interaction. So it's, right. you know, it's funny you talk about, you know, building, a, telling yourself a story to get yourself ready to do this job. Like I'm just sitting in this room and maybe Ziggy's there. It's my dog and he sleeps the whole time. Right. But yeah, you're just telling yourself like, okay, now I know there's 400 people and they're all logged in on their whatever device and and they're happy to be here it's the same story they're happy to be here they're rooting for me they're lonely too i'm gonna do this i'm gonna project positivity through the ethernet cable and bounce it off a satellite and hopefully it'll connect with them and yeah it's it's insane and it's gotten easier but it's never gonna feel terribly comfortable but i do think i'll do it for the rest of my life because i can sit in this chair and play for people in alaska denmark alabama like all at once and they can just be in my office with me it's crazy but doing it so much did that like is that like made you like reassess your catalog because I know you've done like a lot of like this album specifically and this album and like you've gone through have like different like theme shows and all that like have you are you like more familiar with your own back catalog now than ever in any point in your career? Well, yeah, because it makes you go through and it makes you reckon with songs that you had. Um, developed a grudge towards right like i've got all these i've got all these songs i hate maybe it's broadway off too far to care but it has the highest note in my catalog and hitting that note always blew my voice out back when i smoked so i never sang it and to this day it's you know i should play this song more i realized or you know there's all these all these things like i've played every song off of like all 12 old 97s albums and all eight solo albums and all the covers i've ever done i've played them all three times in the last two years on these live streams so Yeah, it's it's insane. It really makes you um, familiar with your catalog in a way for me that I never was before. And the the flip side is that when I go in person and do shows, I'd always had like play if I play 22, 24 songs during the course of the night, there's 12 to 15 songs that I have to play every night. I don't I don't play those songs every night on the live streams like I'll be lucky to play those songs once a month. So it's right. it's a the whole thing is is very weird, but guess what? That's 2020, 2021. Do you ever like with songs? That's interesting. I like that that what you just said. That there's songs you hold a grudge at, or well, I forget exactly how you put that, but that that's great. Like I I totally get that. Do you ever rewrite? Like, do you have old songs that like ah that third verse fucking sucks, man? Like, do you ever go back and like rewrite shit and change shit around? It's so funny you ask that. By the way, you've entered the walking the floor portion. Of- <laughs> <laughs> ah, can't get out of it. <laughs> of wheels off. Um, yes. Okay. So there's an old 97 song that's one of our biggest crowd favorites. It was on our first album and then later in our second. Album. We did it twice on our first two albums. A song called Doreen. We play it live. Sure. M- most of nights, a lot of nights. Uh, Turnpike Troubadours covered it. They do a great cover of it. And um, it's a it's a song people really love. Well, um, I'm friends with former Wheels Off guest um, Michael Shabon and Ayala Waldman, the novelists. And when I was staying at their house recently, or now it was a couple of years ago, they said to me, you should really think about this song, Doreen, because the opening verse, the lyrics are problematic. And I was Whoa. like, you're right. Like, I thought it was kind of cute and funny, but... For me, I was at the time like a 49-year-old man, and I'd walk out on stage and 
sing about a girl a third of my age. You know, the opening lyrics are, when I first met Doreen, she was barely 17. She was drinking whiskey sours in a bar. And then we go on to like, I let her drive my car. We go to Queens. You know, the we see God, which is to say we probably are doing it in a car parked in Queens, which sounds really dangerous to begin with. And um, <laughs> But just the idea of a 17-year-old. Well, you know, my son's 18. My daughter's 15. Like, I know all about how freaking creepy a 49 year old man singing about a 17 year old is so i kind of stopped playing it for a while and then i would and then i would play it but i'd make a speech about it which is in itself so awkward right like don't (laughs) don't talk about the magic trick just do the magic trick and um yeah and so i just a couple of days ago i had an epiphany about the song if i just because i thought when i first met doreen she was barely 23 but that's gross. That's like a bad workaround. That's like Tiffany's singing. Um, uh, I saw him standing there. Don't just, right, just right. don't do the song then if you're going to yeah. change. It. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, but I thought, you know, what would be fine if I sing when I first met Doreen, we was barely 17. We was drinking whiskey sours in a bar. Boom. Cause in my mind, they're both 17 anyway. Why don't right. I just say we were 17. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That totally works for me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> while you were saying that i was thinking wow do the stray cats have to rewrite sexy and no. 17 Th- that song is canceled my little rock and roll yeah i guess that, that's probably not in the set anymore i'm guessing <laughs> it didn't, didn't ringo star anyway let's not go down the <laughs> uh, oh man well this has been so great and uh, i guess absolutely the- the the fact that you and I could still go for on, for another hour probably means that I do I am probably due for my third walk in the floor. So whenever. I'm I'm ready. Whenever <laughs> yeah, it's an open door. Oh, Chris, thank you so much. I can't wait till we get to see each other again in real life. Thank you for being on Wheels Off. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. I miss you, pal. Good to see you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.